welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Pretos, episode 188. As always, a reminder, gentle, gentle reminder, to rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend our little podcast here. We are pushing the winter months behind us, which of course means, middle of February, we are ready for the MLS season, which I am invested in. I don't know if I told you last week, but I'll tell you now. I will open the season as part of MLS Season Pass on Apple TV. And listen, I uh, I get so pumped for the MLS season. I got to do it in 2023. Did 50-plus games. Expect to do a lot more. A similar number this year. And traveling all over the country to cover this league and see it grow. It's very exciting. I will be down south in the, past the old Red River as Minnesota will pay a visit to Austin FC. Two clubs that did not make the postseason looking to bounce back. Got to do the coaches' calls. Uh, hope springs eternal, right? And because the MLS season is beginning, we will have somewhat of an MLS season preview. I'm not going to get too much into the predictions because, as we will learn with teams like Austin and Minnesota, they're, they are a bit unfinished. It what makes MLS a little different. So many clubs expect to make a big splash in the summer, much the same way Inter-Miami did last year. Talk a little bit about the season opener on Wednesday night down in Miami as Lionel Messi and Luis Suarez cross paths. But the big part of my MLS preview is in the business end. Very special guest. He was the coach of the Portland Timbers the last five and a half years. He was in the media before, and now he is back. I would expect him to be back on the sidelines before too long. Gio Sabadese will join me. We'll also talk about football Venezolano. I love the Venezuelan game. And we will break down some perceptions about the sport there. Venezuela is a huge country, but hasn't got much of a soccer pedigree. Well, well, it does, but the future looks very bright. So we'll talk for all the Venezuelan football fans, because I know you are out there and you listen to the OG. We'll talk about that. We'll peel the layers back, and we'll get into MLS. We'll ask some questions about how far this Lionel Messi uh, project, if we can call it that, will go. It is the big story, but there's so much to be excited about Major League Soccer, and we'll, t- we'll indulge in that here shortly. In Check Complete, we will get our first real look at what we expect for the USMNT Nation League's roster as they prepare for a couple games here in March. That is the gateway to Copa America, and that Copa America is the gateway to the World Cup. So these are important dates for sure. And I think the call-ups in the last few camps have been pretty straightforward. This one could be a little surprising. We'll get into that and where the uh, focus should be for Greg Berhalter and the U.S. men's national team. Great show. Let's get into it. We're also going to talk about Champions League next in the rundown. We are back. I want to talk about the Champions League as we got the round of 16 underway. The ex- expanded Europa League they're getting. We can't talk about it. We'll talk a little about the Europa League. I'm excited about West Ham trying to make another deep run. Hmm. One thing about the Europa League, everyone gets excited because you see these names like Liverpool and Milan, and we dream of a final of those teams. But it rarely ends up that way when we've had Manchester United or Barcelona there. We don't get those big names. You get Sevilla, right? (laughs) That's what you get. Well, let's focus on the uh, Champions League, which, by the way, the games have been, uh, been a bit of a grind to get through. I mean, it's going to get better. I think the quarterfinals will be really good, but the round of 16, you kind of flesh through this tournament a bit. There are a lot of teams you don't give a real shot at. I mean, we look at that list. We talked about it last week, the list of favorites. Obviously, on the top line in the the first-class cabin, you have Manchester City 
and Real Madrid. And then the business class cabin. I would put Arsenal in there, but we saw them play Porto in the midweek. And Porto's a tough place to play. And man, when every time you see, we don't see Porto. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I watch Porto games. But every time I see them, you will see players that you heard about that were really hard. You see Pepe, who's 58 years old, but still does not look out of place. But you see a lot of players that you've heard a lot about playing on national teams. Uh, Otavio, the defender, a very highly regarded Brazilian in the back. Um, uh, Nico Gonzalez, who uh, a Spaniard playing in Portugal and playing at a very high level. Uh, Francisco Conceição, who was everywhere. I'm sure you'll see him in the Premier League before too long. Just really strong team. Very well coached. So to expect Arsenal to go in there and get a result could have been... Uh, a bit of a stretch, but they didn't. I get well, maybe they did. We'll find out in due time. As uh, the goal by Galeno, beautiful goal in the 94th minute, uh, that gives Porto hope they can advance. I think it Arsenal still gets through. I'm a little worried because Arsenal looks so dominant the last two weeks. I mean, just blowing the doors off of people. They didn't have a shot in this game. I'm okay with them losing, but not getting a shot and you know. Just, I can't really think of, of anything of note that stood out from that performance. And that that worries me about putting Arsenal in the business class cabin. I'm a little bit more optimistic about Barcelona. So Barcelona aren't going to win in, in La Liga. Real Madrid has that locked up. Almost 100% at this point. Yeah, La Liga's interesting, man. They need... They, you know, the marketing numbers have been down... And Real Madrid's going to be a huge, huge um, product with the arrival of Mbappe. You know, they could be the best team in the world right now. I mean, Vinicius is in the argument for best player in the world. Before he got injured, Drew Bellingham was in the argument for that. Valverde and so many others. Uh, Barcelona are in third. I mean, their focus should be qualifying for the Champions League. I would imagine they would. I mean, I should say they, they need to be cautious about finishing in the top four but their focus should be Champions League all of it and I don't think they're going to win it I don't think they're in the business class cabin but I like what I saw against Napoli even though they allowed a goal advantage to slip away they uh they they looked really that was one of their better games for a team that's been so up and down they were defensively tight they allowed one shot on target to Napoli it ended up being the goal by Victor Osimhen in the 75th minute Barca get a goal from Robert Lewandowski, but I was watching that game, and what really, what really sticks out to me is, you know, the young players for Barcelona. We know, you know, not all of them have hit. Yeah, we some have kind of struggled to kind of be consistent. Although Pedri's fantastic, uh, but I don't know where he's going to go. He's still, I mean, sixteen years old. But Lamine Yamal. I mean, he's having more ups than downs, and he's playing important minutes for a Barcelona. He almost went the whole game there, I thought. Uh, let me check on this. He he went 80 minutes before he was replaced by Rafinha, who was supposed to be that guy. So Lamine Yamal at 16, getting a lot of responsibility. I was optimistic about the way Barcelona looked. I thought PSV back on Tuesday was going to... Uh, I thought they looked really good. They should have beaten Dortmund, although I think they're happy with a 1-1 result because they got a, a pretty much a gift of a penalty late. 
Can they get the result at the Westfalen Stadion? I think they can. Uh, all three Americans played that day. Two of them started. So PSV, what a story that would be to have three Americans on a Champions League team in the quarterfinals. I think that would be the extent of PSV's tournament. But you never know. You see what, what the draw looks like. Inter, <laughs> I mean, 19 shots. Uh, they got the goal from Marco Arnautovic, who's, who's found the back of the net lately. I like Inter a lot. Atletico Madrid, though, playing in that second leg, certainly have a shot to find a way through. But all those games were, eh, I mean, I don't know. They're all right. Following week games, the PSG game was good. These are going to get better. It's the Champions League, for crying out loud. But I think we see the depth of the top European clubs is not where you would like it to be. It feels like it wasn't where it was 10, 20 years ago. So I love the Champions League, but I found myself kind of really grinding to, to finish some of these games. But it's the round of 16. I sent a tweet that I thought the Inter Miami Real Salt Lake game was the biggest event for Wednesday anywhere. And people were going, What are you talking about? It was Champions League. I'm like, Yeah, I know, but. This, you know, we, this is, I mean, Don Garber even mentioned it, the focus on Messi from MLS. And that has to be there because you have to strike while the iron is hot. You still have to be, you have to hope that that is something that can bring the entire league up, which we're not there yet. But I, it will keep Inter-Miami up. I, I, I tell people this, we mentioned it in the last couple of weeks. After Lionel Messi leaves Miami, Inter-Miami is going to be a huge brand. And they have this incredible stadium and they'll continue to recruit heavily and they will continue to spend. And uh, It's on the radar for so many. Look at Federico Redondo. He's going to be going there. I mean, a top, top Argentine prospect. Many more will follow. So uh, that's going to be good. Now, the rest of the league, it's been a great offseason for Major League Soccer. I, I, a lot of young, exciting players coming in. Very few of the mid-30s quote-unquote retirement league guys. I mean, we have uh, Hugo Lloris and a few others. But I mean, those are guys that I think have some staying power and will be very good in, you know, in a league that that salary cap wasn't moved. A lot of teams were creative to find a, a good roster. So the Inter-Miami team, we were a little worried after the offseason, the preseason, and they came out great. They came out, uh, but I thought Real Salt Lake looked pretty good. Unlucky, probably not to get something out of that. Uh, bad error on the goal from Robert Taylor, Zach McMath let through. But let me finish my first thought as I got a little sideways there. I said it was the biggest event. And when I mean that, it's like of all, the, I guess just for lack of a better expression, the number one trending topic anywhere, sports or other, for that day. People said it was the Champions League. I don't think those Champions League games registered enough to compete with a game that was the reunion of that full Barcelona squad. Messi, Suarez, Busquets, Alba. In particular, Messi and Suarez, which could create beautiful music together. We shall see. Suarez, you could see him laboring. I think, you know, as good as Inter-Miami looked and Messi looked uh, and a lot of other parts looked, Diego Gomez with a really nice goal, some nice passing and build-up from the team. You have to wonder how durable those two in particular, Messi and Suarez, will be, um, you know, looking at Luis Suarez, and I, look, he, you know, he's great at cutting a few corners. And I say that with the highest respect, you know, shortening a run, holding uh, his line in a way where he doesn't have to extend too much energy. And obviously he's, 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 got, he's got a leg that he doesn't really operate at a high level, limping around a fair bit, as Taylor Twelman pointed out on the broadcast. 
Hard to believe he could finish the whole season. And remember, they're going to be busy with CONCACAF Champions Cup and what all the other things that is included with a team that is the number one box office attraction in MLS and everyone will want to come out to see and play. It, it, you, it's naive to think that Suarez will play 34 MLS games. It is naive to think Lionel Messi will play 34 games. Maybe a, a, a realistic positive number would be 25 or 26. And by the way, that means when they're on the road, they'll miss a few games. So if you bought tickets to see Lionel Messi in some of these matches, then uh, you, you just be prepared. And he had that comment for the Chinese press for not missing for missing that Hong Kong game. We've got to protect Messi too, especially from this league because he has put so much on his shoulders and we appreciate for him doing that. And I hope the high tide lifts all boats in Major League Soccer. But th- that reunion of those guys, that resonated in the United States. I went on, watched on SportsCenter. I know SportsCenter doesn't tell you everything, but that was the number one story. Very well covered. You can believe that, you better believe it's covered in South America, in Asia, everywhere because of Lionel Messi. MLS played a small part in why that was the biggest game. It was the biggest MLS opener without question. But Messi and then Suarez and all those things, and it was a, it was a nice watch. So MLS will recede a bit. You know, people aren't going to, the season's here and we're excited about it. We know it's a work in progress, but I am, I truly believe you will find uh, something compelling in almost every game over the weekend. And by the way, Inter will play again Sunday against the Galaxy at David David Beckham's former club, which it, right before the kick, and even this game, before the kick, before they kicked a ball, before anything was played, it was compelling because of everything that came prior. And that's why people will tune in. And if they didn't tune in, they were aware of it. I'm not sure everyone was aware that Porto Arsenal was going on. Obviously, in Portugal and in the United Kingdom, yes. And Arsenal, who are so popular worldwide. But this is messy, man. So, I stick I stick to my, my statement. And what could we talk? I mean, MLS, I, I, there was this big group of young attacking players that were brought in that is exciting. I, I think everything that's going to happen in the summer will keep people on their toes. And uh, there are going to be some really good teams. The East is going to be a lot better than the West. I like Seattle and LAFC by the end of the season to get there. The East with Columbus and Cincinnati, I think, are both better than Inter-Miami. And we'll find a way through this campaign for a team that has not got the experience of MLS and doesn't have the athleticism uh, maybe required to play week in, week out because you want to keep all that those legends on the field, but that comes at a price. But we'll see if they get that support from many other guys. But 2024, I can't believe it, man. 20 years, was it? We're almost three decades here for Major League Soccer. Um, and, you know, it's still in diapers, but it's doing very well. So we get, we'll get, we continue our preview. I, I need some help in that department. So let's bring in Gio Sabarese, former Portland Timbers manager, and former New York Metro Stars player. It's a guy who's been in Major League Soccer for most of his adult life, really. He will join me next in the business end to continue our preview of Messi, Inter-Miami, all things MLS. We're ready to kick things off. Support your local clubs here in the United States. If you're overseas, get MLS Season Pass on Apple TV and watch a new league and get into it and pick a team. Find find something that that, that just grabs your attention. Maybe it's listening to Gio Sabarese and you become a 
Metro Stars or Portland Timbers fan. I think that's a stretch, but that's a good way to exit here and get ready for the business end next. We enter the business end, and Major League Soccer starts on Wednesday with Inter-Miami and Real Salt Lake. You might be listening to this after this after this was recorded, so just to remind you, you have a full docket of the games coming over the weekend. And now part of the MLS season pass on Apple TV broadcast team is Giovanni Gio Savarese, who joins me now. Formerly, it was like five years with the Portland Timbers. Yeah, five and a half. Five and a half. So that's... um. Now you have to do. Now you have to go on to the broadcasting side. It should be known that you were broadcasting for eleven years with ESPN Deportes. That's where I first met you, uh, before really getting immersed into coaching. And now you have to see it from the other side a little bit. So that's gonna that's gonna be fun. But uh, have you have you had to recalibrate a few things about your day to day as being as a coach and now kind of a coach for the broadcasting side and how how you get information and how you're going to convey it. First of all, it's great to be, you know, here now talking to you and, uh, you know, talking uh, about the league and, and all this. And, <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I have done for many, many years. Uh, Apple uh, is doing an amazing thing. You know, we saw what, um, what they did last year. They're looking to improve this year. It's an amazing partnership between Apple and MLS. And, and, and when they called me, you know, I felt that was something important for me to be part of. And, Keeps me, you know, close to the league. Keeps me watching the games, um, and uh, and I feel proud to to be part of this group. And you are, you have a unique perspective because you were you grew up on MLS. You're from Venezuela, but you came into Major League Soccer from the beginning as a player, and then you could see it as a coach. Um, let's go back to those early years. Um, could you ever foresee it growing to where it was, knowing this was a startup league, and uh, knowing that there was a a passion for the sport in this country, but it was kind of hard to find sometimes. At that time, we were so excited that MLS was going to start. Uh, we couldn't wait for for us to start playing in Major League Soccer. And we had a, a dream. We had a dream that the league could become something amazing. Uh, but what we have seen so far has, you know, passed beyond, has gone beyond our expectations. And, and I still think has a lot of room to grow. I think there's still there's going to be so much that is going to happen in the future that is exciting. But back in 96, uh, you know, we we hope uh, that the league was going to be growing. You know, the stadiums, the bigger stadium, nicer stadium. Um, we're playing, remember, we're playing in all NFL stadiums. Uh, you know, they were huge. Uh, I hated the giant stadium when I took all your games because we had to go up and the broadcasting was like 30. I mean, you're you're in outer space to call in that oh. game. All the way up there, you know, and we had decent crowds, you know, like a, about 30,000 a game. And, uh, you know, they, they used to bring the grass and put it on top of the turf. And But broadcasting was difficult because it would be all the way up there. Uh, but uh, that was the start of MLS. And, and looking, you know, from that point now and to what we are right now and, and the growth and the investment and, you know, now Apple being part of it, uh, I mean, it is incredible uh, beyond our dreams. And and, and I know that it's, this is still the beginning. There's so much more that is going to come. So obviously Apple reached out to you and say, hey, we'd love for you to be part of it. And you're going to actively looking for coaching jobs. But to see this as this opportunity um, and this 2024 edition of Major League Soccer, well, we know what's happening. But uh, how did you... Uh, uh, you're obviously going to lean into your experience in the past, but um, how do you want to prepare for it? How do you uh, 
you know the league you're have you been able to contact a lot of people that are within the league to to make sure that you uh have all the information you need yeah so that was one of the things because uh when i was with uh with espn i was doing mostly the games i did fuera de juego which was a, a very good show you know in the in the latin side for espn deportes um, but now I'm doing, uh, you know, mostly the 360, um, you know, so previa, some different things, you know, that uh, Apple has come up with that is more in studio. Um, so it's managing a lot of a lot of games at the same time. So information is going to be important for us. But my my desire to, you know, or my participation in, is trying to give a different perspective to the viewer. Uh, from uh, someone that has been there uh, coaching, that is past, that knows the team, that knows the stadium, that actually, you know, has competed to the other coaches. So try to give that perspective, you know, part of it that I think is going to be very insightful. Are you going to be working with Gerki and all those? Yes. Because, uh, I got to tell you, man, where are all these Venezolanos coming from? You're taking over football. A lot of prepared Venezuelans, you know, it happened. In Venezuela, at the end, you know, we used to... Yeah, Luis, uh, Omar Tapia, he's Venezolano, right? And no, Alejandro. no, the Chileno. Chileno. Is he Chileno? But, what did but I think almost, Venezuela? almost Venezolano because uh, he, he worked in... Ah, Radio that's right. Mission. So he worked in Venezuela. We have, a, we have a, I think, about, uh, if I, you know, look into it, about five, six Venezuelans uh, between broadcasting, you know, being part of... Uh, uh, the studio so it shows also venezuela has grown soccer wise so much as well let me talk about that a little bit because uh you know and we're at lafc everyone's very excited about david martinez who is many people say the best prospect to come out of venezuela is that kind of accurate or close to as yeah, a prospect I, I will say i will say as prospect uh he, he's the most exciting player right now uh in venezuela i think lafc made a, a great uh, acquisition of a player that has a lot of talent, is still young. It has, you know, a, a lot of room to to grow. And, and, and already we saw what he was able to do in the, you know, in the qualifiers to the, the Olympics uh, in Venezuela. I mean, unfortunately, Venezuela didn't qualify, but he's just a, a different type of player. Uh, lefty, uh, he reminds me of some of the best, some of the best players that we, we've seen, Juan Arango, uh, Stanley Rivas, you know, lefty players. <laughs> going back, were, those back, names. Back, all the way back, and well, you know, Arango, of he has he has he has moments of you know of that he shows that class, you know that uh, that quality. Uh, now is for him to be able to make the step up. This is a great, I think, uh, place for him to be able to continue to grow. When I was in Europe, uh, many teams I spoke to, they asked me about him. Uh, so he's in the radar of many many teams. So. I'm excited to see him playing in Major League Soccer. I'm going to ask a question about Venezuela because I just it hit me now that I, I've always wanted to know this, and I don't want to speak out of turn, so I'm going to speak to a Venezolano about it. But what, you mentioned him coming here, and then Venezolanos in particular, Venezuelan players coming to Major League Soccer, and it's been been great for them. We saw uh, Jefferson Savarino, who had gone. Who is he? The the guy who played briefly with Toronto FC, who's in Brazil. Why is it? Um, there was there's several. Soteldo. Soteldo. Ah, Jefferson Soteldo. Yes. Why do you? I, I they made a nice relationship, MLS and and the Venezuelan players, and it's benefiting both, I think. But why do you think this has um, become a, a a very popular spot for Venezuelan players and young Venezuelan players? Yeah, I think I think we have the early years uh, of Giovanni Savarez, Alejandro Moreno, and you know guys that came in, went to college, played, you know, and 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 got our way into MLS. 
Um, and then all of a sudden, I think MLS continued to grow. And I, I think the, the Argentine market, the Colombian market, you know, Brazilian, of course, very difficult, it became a little bit more expensive than, than some of the teams, you know, could, you know, could look into it. Um, and I think uh, at that particular time, uh, they saw that there was a lot of good talent in Venezuela. And they start going into it. They saw that all of a sudden this group of Venezuelans start, start coming in, you know, start filling very good roles, were talented, you know, were developing very, you know, very quick. Um, and the the price for them to come in wasn't, you know, as the transfer were, weren't as expensive as other nationalities. Now it's different because now clubs are investing a lot more, you know, they, they're going to every country in South America and how many Argentines we see now. In, in the league, you know, always being part of the league, but I think they'll, they've been always more elite. Um, and now we have, you know, players like Joseph Martinez and Soteldo was here, you know, and, and among those young players, Navarro, Martinez, uh, you know, and um, the one in Philly, this defensive mid at the skip. Bruja Martinez. Yes. And so, you know, and, and, and I think what has become important, the agents in Venezuela understand that this is a very good place for them to be able to showcase, for them maybe to show growth, to develop, and then go to Europe. So it's a stepping stone to Europe in the way they're looking at it. I still think that the actual, the Venezuelan pen still needs to, it's not fully, you know, 100% in the belief of, of MLS, but every year it grows more and more. But every time that we have more Venezuelans, I think, you know, more fans want to watch the league and, and be part of it. Yeah, and the other name was, was I remember now, Yangel Herrera, who Yangel Herrera, was MLS. But it's, it's a Girona. long list. It's Girona now. It could, and, it could be a Spanish champion. <laughs> Probably not, but it, <laughs> it's close. <laughs> but he, you know, I mean, he was a great player in New York City. He was top player, defensive mid, uh, came in. So these were all young players and in, in, that have done really well in MLS. And I think it's, it remains a very good market. So in Major League Soccer, we're looking for good deals and they got it, but now they have a nice pipeline, which is exciting. But I wanted to ask this because you could answer it better than I do. Because when people say, I, I mentioned David Martinez is one of the two or three best prospects to come out of Venezuela on Twitter. Someone comes back, oh, how is that possible? They've been playing for so long. I go, well, Venezuela's a little differently. Uh, and I mentioned baseball was the number one sport, but I mean, when did that, I mean, it's still baseball is because it's on the Caribbean side and it's warm. That's, so, a, that's, but, a, that, that's a great, great question because this is a great debate uh, for me. So, because it was it always a soccer country, but we're now kind of just seeing it. No. So, so what happened, what happened in is we have had always soccer in, in, in Venezuela. And we always had since my time and even before uh, the youth in Venezuela, the the soccer youth is is big. Every kid plays soccer in Venezuela. Um, but what happened? It was two things. One is that when they were growing, they didn't feel that there was a professional league that were paying off. And you know, so many people were more on the side of you know, if you're going to play soccer, you better do it to get a scholarship. You go to the United States, go somewhere, use it for that reason. But also we have baseball that, you know, for many, many years because of big a, money you know, too. Oil, yeah. exact oil, oil, uh, you know, country, United States sent so many, so many people to Venezuela to work that they brought baseball to Venezuela. 
So baseball became, you know, a very important on the higher level, on the professional level. And then it was, you know, ingrained in, in the population, in the people that then they start, you know, getting better like the Brazilians rub the soccer ball uh, on the beach. Uh, you will see kids playing with a, you know, little wood stick and, uh, and the top of a bottle. And, and that's, that's why they're so good. That's why we have so many talented baseball players because they, they from the beginning, from very young age, they become better. And then, but also the, 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 the scouts, the, the teams in the United States know that in Venezuela they started, so they've been investing in, in this, you know, uh, a lot of uh, development centers in Venezuela. So I will say right now, uh, baseball continues to be very important, but La Vino Tinto, right, already, you know, years... You changed, your voice changed <laughs> when you said Vino Tinto. La Vino Tinto, <laughs> you know, which, you know, I, I, I was part of, uh, you know, has grown in, 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 in what, what the difference for the Vino Tinto is that it is more of a political thing. The Benetinto is a little bit of something that gives belief to a Venezuelan person, gives them to be proud of being Venezuelan. And because soccer, you compete all around the world, you know, and the, and the Benetinto is getting better. So there's a sense of pride right now in the Benetinto that has been great to see. And, and I think that help, has helped a lot of players to develop. The only country in Comebol not to qualify for a World Cup, but Gio, and I'm not trying to jinx it, it's going to change in 2026. That's going to change. We hope so. We well, they've been so. doing great. I mean, they, the World Cup qualifying has begun. They had won three, let's see, two wins, three draws, and just one loss in their first six games. And you have an expanded World Cup where it's going to be six, six teams, possibly seven. That make That's correct. It. I hope so I don't that, cheat. It's, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, but I you mean, guys are better. You guys are better than two or three of those countries for sure. I think, I think you know, I mean, it's, it's been co very competitive. South America is very competitive. Even sometimes, you know, you have to play against Bolivia when, you know. At altitude, you super altitude. I, you know, I had to go to have La you, Paz. You've done that? Yeah, what was that? Yeah. Let me ask you. That's two miles high for us here. We will talk about Denver. The, that's one mile high. This is two miles high. Is you feel it, you feel lethargic, you feel like you, you're, you know, running nowhere, uh, you feel slow, <laughs> and 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 the Bolivian players they know it so well. And at a particular time, they had a lot of players that were playing for Bolivar, which is the you know, they, they were playing up there, so they were flying. Um, and because there's not that much oxygen, you know, they shoot from anywhere in the in, in the missiles. <laughs> so were you tempted? You were like 25 yards out. I'm gonna try this. Yeah, you wanted to, <laughs> but I don't know if the brain was thinking about it. You yeah, know, because of uh, the altitude, uh, they have even uh, oxygen in in uh, ox oxygen mask in the in the locker room just in case. So it tells you, you know, about uh, how high it is. Um, but I think it's very competitive. I do believe right now Venezuela has a good team. I do believe that Lavino Tinto is in a good place to qualify. And uh, hopefully, you know, we can continue to get the right results to be able to see, you know, the Vino Tinto in the United States. Well, I I, I know so many Venezolanos, so I'm always pulling for them. But I pull for Venezuela, too, because they have a, a very MLS identity there. Two or three key players, four, five, six that could make it. You know, we, we talk some of the younger players that could make it, too. So I get invested into that as well. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll circle back in a year and see how it's going. Well, but give I feel, the time, as, as we always I feel, say. I feel confident for you guys. And by the way, I think the world will be the World Cup will be better with Venezuela in there. 
to show. And Venezuela is a big country. It can be a great baseball and and football country, no? Yeah, you can I, have the I, best I of both so. worlds. I think so, and and it's always been difficult because you know South America. You know, in South America, soccer is so important that having a country like Venezuela that has the two sports, uh, you know, it's been always a little bit weird uh, and rare. Um, but I think the soccer still, you know, it, it, in the way it's growing, it's always been there. But I think now people are understanding a little bit better, you know, what it is for us. South American players uh, are making a huge difference in Major League Soccer, and obviously. When we look at the pre we look at the upcoming season, Inter Miami at the top of this, we had Lionel Messi. Uh let me ask, before we get into Inter Miami, what is that? What do you think that will mean? Because some some people that have their guard up about Major League Soccer say, oh, Messi's gonna be here two years and then he's gonna go, and all those fans that came are gonna leave with them. And I go, maybe some will go, but I don't think Messi's gonna ever leave. I think he's gonna be invested. But I have to think the fact that Messi was here even for six months. Changes the perspective of the league, um, perhaps in ways recruiting. How would I mean if you if you were in a position, say you ran MLS and you knew you had Messi, how do you think the perception of the league, or do you think it's changing? And how do you think that will benefit with him even after he leaves? We have seen this happening in the past, in the sense we saw Pele, what he brought in into the United States. We saw Beckham, because I do believe that there's a before and after. And I'm not comparing about players. What I'm saying is that I, I think, you know, the, these type of players, when they come in, um, they, they change. They change the league. Now, being Messi, you know, uh, his quality, uh, a lot of people say the best player in, in, in the history of the game is landing in, in the United States, in Major League Soccer, in Miami. Uh, everything changes. Everything changes. Now you're going to have so many more people that are going to be interested in watching the league. You have a player that, you know, how easy was for him when he came in to be able to adapt so quickly and give, you know, Miami the, the league's cup. Uh, it's incredible, you know, coming from, we have a we have a Messi that, you know, recently just won a World Cup. So he has, he has a, a still a lot to give uh, on the soccer side. I think he has a lot to give uh, to allow this 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 league to continue to grow, for everyone to focus more, because now we're gonna get the attention. We're gonna we're gonna have the attention of the or everyone, the world watching the league, and now this is our our opportunity to be able to show our best, to show that the game is now you know more competitive, that there's competent coaches, that you know players are 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 developing, you know, and the the quality on the on the on the field is getting better and better. So this is this is just a perfect opportunity for us to you know continue to show the world that uh, United States is serious about the direction that is taking to make you know soccer be you know a top flight here in the United States. And Messi makes that possible uh, in a bigger you know scheme of, of things. Obviously, his Barcelona teammates and now uh, Luis Suarez joins him here, so he can get into those guys. I'm, clearly, he had a, a a role in getting all of them to sign on. Do you think players this do you think Messi be here is going to make more players cuz I see Federico Redondo he's a, he possibly could come to Miami I have to imagine he's thinking I'm playing with Messi count me in or some other star players say oh if that's good enough for Messi uh maybe I should give MLS a look do you think that that I I'm sure it will help but how much do you think that will will help to bolster the rosters to get the players young players that are idolized Messi players that are his equivalent that would love to say where's my next challenge why not MLS because Messi did it 
Yeah, I think I think definitely uh, makes people think about, you know, and Messi did it. I want to go and and be part of it, definitely. But I think it's been something that has been happening already, uh, because I think I think we we have spoken about the South American uh, window of players wanted to come to the United States, uh, and some other you know um, continents, uh, some players trying to come here. But I think the, the the most difficult part of it has been how can we convince also the European players to come here? Not only that we can export players to go and mm-hmm. play in the biggest clubs in Europe, which is is very important. But also, how can we convince, you know, a 24-year-old, you know, European player uh, that has quality to come into the league and that this is the league that they need to be part of? I We have seen some players now, you know, looking at that perspective. Um, but can we do more? And I think Messi uh, attracts that. And in, in, in as I said before, the more now that we can expose positive things about the league, I think the more that we can convince more players and in, 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 in people in Europe to, you know, to understand that this league is growing more and more and, and Messi makes that possible. I, I want to do an MLS preview and I start with Messi and it is, look, we all deal with it so much Messi. But I the reason I start with it, you, I've never seen anything like this. You put his face on something uh, on a social media post, what would have gotten a a thousand likes gets a million likes. The inner Miami social media handles went just the Instagram, I think, went from you know 600,000, 700,000 to 20 million. Uh, everywhere he goes, s- seats that were available are now going for six, seven hundred dollars. Everyone wants to see it, and it's not just a flash. I've just never seen anything quite like it because, because I haven't Messi, seen anything like it. Not Messi, nothing, Messi, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, but Messi is unique. Messi is of, of a different dimension in the sense of he not only is the best player, uh, you know, um, existing right now in, in soccer, he's, he's also a popular guy. He, you know, now we live in a world in which social media, TV, you can see everything. And, you know, in all these, uh, you know, platform. Uh, platforms, um, you have the opportunity to see the greatest, the greatest who, how many more years is going to continue to play. So you want to follow him. You want to see him. You want to, you know, and and, and he has made so many fans uh, because what he has done, and we have to put also Cristiano Ronaldo as well, you know, that competition between the two, the amount of years that they have been able to make us love soccer, watch that competition between the two of them, has been amazing. And the fact also that both of them went in different direction, <laughs> it makes it even more interesting. And and I think uh, what he has brought into Major League Soccer is, is phenomenal. And we have to give credit also, listen, to Don Garber and Miami and, and everyone, because there, there was a process. It was a process. It wasn't easy for him just to come and, you know, it wasn't uh, him saying, I want to go to Miami and that's it. There was a lot of work put in. There was a lot of convincing. There was... But we're glad that he's here right now, and 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 now he's pushed everyone to be better. I'm from Miami originally, Gio, and when they were talking about bringing a, a club to the city, I was like, "Don't do it. This is not the sports. It's not going to be able to sustain it." I was dead wrong because they're doing it all the right way. They have this new Freedom Park project, which is going to be phenomenal, and they have Messi, and they're not just pausing there. They're trying to spend and re- re- recruit. I mean, the the Benjamin Kremaski situation was amazing because for so long young talent in Miami didn't have a pipeline and now we're 
we everyone knows his name. Everyone knows he's a young yeah, but, player but, from but Miami. You have to also, but I think you know, don't be so hard on yourself. I will say first of all, because <laughs> I said after the Marlins, I go, don't come to Miami. It'll never work. I know, I but but I will say, someone that has gone to play, someone that has gone to coach against teams in Miami uh, for a long, long time, uh, it, it wasn't an easy place to be able to convince people to go to watch games. And I will say, sure. be messy. Also, they didn't have, they had some good crowds and they have people going, but the conversation wasn't all about Inter-Miami. Kremansky became important when Messi arrived because now people, yeah. and, and this is the thing that I told you before about the Messi effect. Messi will bring you there. Huh. Isn't that now amazing? Can you show more? Can you show more? Can you show what else do you have? Can you attract these people to see beyond Messi? Uh, because Messi is a delight. Everyone wants to be, you know, everywhere where Messi is. Um, so, but now can we see a Kremansky? Can we see a Taylor? Can we see, and they step up during the time. They became better. And now teams in Europe are interested. Uh, now their career becomes different. Now when the new stadium is built, uh, you know, I'm sure it's going to be sold out. So this is Messi. Yeah. Creating all this. So don't be hard on yourself, as I said. <laughs> well, it's it's such, it's such a great point because if you're part of that inner Miami Academy and you know being part of that, or if you're coming through that 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 the youth system, uh, just to be close to him is going to give you all the wind in your sails to keep going. And maybe you get to meet him, or maybe you get to kick the ball with him. Who knows? But it'd be yeah, huge. And, and credit to the, the organization that uh did everything possible to be able to bring him in and figure things out to make it happen. And and then from that moment. You know, uh, they they got all the benefits, and and it's not only them. It's uh, as, as you know, we're mentioning the youth, uh, and, and they couldn't brought a better coach, you know, Tata Martino, to complement, uh, you know, what is being built there as well. So, I think it's exciting what's happening in 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 Miami. But then I'm gonna put it on the other spend on the other side. It's exciting about everything that is happening in in Major League Soccer. It's not all about Miami. Uh, teams are getting better. Teams are getting stronger. They all want to compete against the best, you know, against Messi. So it's going to be, I think, a great uh, 2024 year. And I think that's good for the league because he came in in the League's Cup and everyone said, oh, he's going to run through this league. And I and a lot of people this season, they're under the microscope. We saw with their preseason tour. Everyone's like talking and talking about it. I go, it's a preseason tour. Uh, but everyone, it was under the microscope. And now they come here and I am a huge Suarez fan. I think he's going to score goals. Uh, but I know this is good. What we know about the league, they're going to find out as a full season. And it's going to be difficult. And if I had to make a prediction, I, I I think they're fourth or fifth in a very good Eastern Conference. You know, I think Columbus is going to be the best team in Cincinnati, and Inter Miami. It's, it's going to be a battle. It's I think people who may tune in to see it, and maybe this draws in new fans, are going to go. Wait a minute! I thought Messi was going to blow the the doors out. And this is not a reflection off of Messi and Suarez. I'm just saying there's some really good teams there that are used to the play here that's going to give them an edge in my estimation and I, I agree with you i think it's going to be an interesting situation for them because they're going to have to manage something different it's going to be from the beginning of the season we know how long this season can look like and and now we leak scope in the middle and and you know in all the competitions um now you have to show up you know the whole year and uh and it's not going to be that easy because when you arrive the excitement that that moment Things change, you know, you can get in the wave and, and surf, you know. <laughs> now, now it's going to be from the beginning. Uh, and uh, can can they make it happen? Can they stay on top? 
I think it's possible, but the challenges are going to be different. So it's going to be very interesting to see how everything's going to progress. And the great thing is that they're going to start playing, uh, you know, from the first game against uh, Real Salt Lake, a good team as well. And and they they will be opening the league. Wednesday night, MLS season pass on Apple TV. Look, you know, I'm here on the West Coast and waving the banner of LAFC and the Western Conference. We know the East is good and there's so many great teams and you're going to talk about Messi. You're going to be on MLS 360. You're going to talk about Messi, and I don't talk about it. But it's 29 teams, and there's a lot to do. Now, just quickly, as you prepare for the season, is there a couple storylines outside of Miami that intrigue you or a player or something that you see developing that's that the, the public should know more about and are probably going to know a little bit more about as the season kicks off? Yeah, I think I think first of all, uh, I will say from the east side, I think um, this conference. Uh, I think what what people have to look is, you know, how's Toronto going to manage now this season? Uh, you know, where are you know are Insigne and their and their players be able to step up with with a new coach? Um, so that would be very interesting. I I, I think. Uh, what is happening in New England? I think uh, they are looking to try to, you know, uh, get to the final end of things. They've been very good the past few years, and and now they're looking to be able to uh, win a, an, an MLS Cup, which they, they 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 haven't done it, you know, in the past. That's one of my clubs. I think uh, Red Bull, uh, you know, my my ex club uh has done some interesting things i think forsberg forsberg is going to be for me a a fun player to watch uh i think is one of the best uh signings in in in, uh, in mls and if you go through the entire you know the league you see so many so many teams are are investing are uh, you know looking to bring better players they're just a few that are still trying to catch up. You know, uh, we see Colorado has made a lot of acquisitions, interesting acquisitions. So I think it's going to be very, very interesting. And, uh, you know, what I will say is to everyone, don't pick one. You might get it wrong because it's going to be really, really competitive. I hate it when they ask us to do predictions. I go, I don't know. And there's like a bunch of teams that are going to build their roster in the summer, which is fine. Look, look, at, look at Sporting Kansas City. Last year, they struggled in a big way. They couldn't, you know, get to that place. At the end of the, the last game of the season, they made it, and, and they looked like a contender. They looked like they could have won MLS Cup, you know, and so be careful. Be careful uh, because I think it's, it's going to be very competitive. My, the first game I have this season is Austin FC, Minnesota. So I'm doing prep on Austin FC. They didn't really do much in the offseason. A couple little players. But they have a vision. They have their new sporting director, Rodolfo Borel, who is a big, big hire. And I, they're going to sign players. But this team's going to look a lot different in the summertime, for instance, which is exciting, too, because you have, you know, you know, it's a long season. And some teams will find find what they're looking for at different times of the year. Yeah, I, I think so, and and I think that Austin uh, shows something very important, which is they supported their coach. Uh, they didn't have a good season last year, but they believe that he's the right coach to continue to go in the direction that they wanted. You know, in the style of play that they wanted to 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 play, and that's great. I think is is the backing of an organization is important. They got a couple of interesting MLS players that I think are going to make the team, you know, different and better. Uh, and they're playing against a, a Minnesota team that is going to be interesting because they started late. Don't uh, have a coach. They, they might have their coach now, but he's not going to be there right away. 
Yeah, so so it's gonna be you know, um, and, they, and Minnesota has a, a, an interesting roster. I think they still need to maybe get a, a few more pieces in order to 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 be more competitive. But that, that game is right away is gonna be a great game. There, you know what? It's like we we're the broadcasters. We look at what game we have, and like, oh, I got this game, and we look, and I look at it, and I go, all these games have something that are exciting. There's something to it, especially opening weekend, which we. Which we love. And by the way, I love that you. I mentioned all those teams. The first one you said was Toronto FC because people forget about it. And I wonder with Lorenzo Insigne there from the beginning, he's been hearing all of this talk and they're putting him down. He makes too much money. What an opportunity for him. And would you be surprised if all of a sudden he comes out, he scores 15, 20 goals. He, he could do it. And all of a sudden you have so. a great story. Me too. I hope so. You know, from someone that uh, has seen him play for many years, have loved the way he plays, uh, I want him to do well, um, but I think he also needs to want to do well. And he, ho- I hope that you know, right now the 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 team is in a place in which everybody's going to push in the same direction in order for for Insigne to have his participation. Because I remember last year there were moments that he showed his quality, but he's a player for different levels. So we, you know, I hope that he shows his quality and uh and, and I don't, I'm not talking about money because if he signed a very good contract you know kudos to him and uh and to the agent uh, what we want to see is just a great player pushing an important team to to do well support your club get out there it's going to be fun biggest season and every year is going to be bigger than the prior one too Gio Savarese now of MLSC's pass on Apple TV joining me great to see you and great to chat with you I'm sure we will uh we will uh, keep in touch. But the good news, Gio, for this year, you don't have to worry about me bugging you all day for your lineups. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Every time, my friend, you know, when we connected, you know, before the games, it, it was always a pleasure. And uh, and I'm glad that, you know, we reconnected here. Uh, good luck with the first match. And uh, looking forward to continuing to talking to you. Just a wonderful, wonderful human being. Gio Savarese, catch him all season there on MLS Season Pass. He is in and out of the business end. We will be back with Check Complete as I give you my preview of what the Nations League roster for the U.S. will look like. And I'll give you a couple MLS predictions. That's next. The Nations League semifinals right around, well, not right around the corner. We still have about a month. March 21st, AT&T Stadium, USA versus Jamaica, Panama, Mexico. Those two, those four already qualify for the Copa America. The winners move on for games on March 24th. This is a, I don't want to say a dress rehearsal. It is, it is preparation for the Copa America. It's the last real competitive games before you focus on that summer. And the Copa America is the dress rehearsal for the World Cup. U.S. men's national team, the expectations are soaring. They were even pushed another level after the host countries of the Asian Cup and AFCON won those tournaments. I think the United States men's national team, this seems crazy. I mean, a semifinal I would, I would, re- would be required to put people at ease with Burhalter out campaign and all that. And I don't think that'll ever end. But I the it's a 16 team tournament. So making the quarterfinals is an ex, is an absolute necessity. Meaning you finish first and second in that group, you finish ahead of Panama and Bolivia, which they should. And the uh 
the U.S. maybe win the group, which would help them make a semifinal, you would think, depending on what happens on the other side, which they would face Colombia and Brazil. So I think the semifinals is really where they need to make it. And if they make the semifinals, then you feel that you can go all the way, right? Because that, I think, would potentially mean a victory over uh, Brazil, I I would believe. So, yeah, the USA and Group C get by Panama and Bolivia at home. USA have games in Arlington, Texas. Then they have a game in... Uh, they open with Bolivia, then they play Panama in Atlanta, then they wrap up Uruguay at Arrowhead Stadium. So, in order to be prepared for that, you get the Nations League. I've already jumped the gun. I'm talking Copa America. I am sorry. But the Nations League, the United States will start there against Jamaica, should win. They're going to get a lot of games in Arlington, Texas. So, the... The belief is they should win this. They've won the last two. They won the first two, I should say. And, you know, that's Greg Berhalter and we should say BJ Callahan's sweet spot because he was on the sideline for that game. I talked to a lot of people. We say we don't give BJ Callahan and Anthony Hudson, who was a guest on the Soccer OG a few weeks back. Check out that video or check out that podcast and the entire library of the Soccer OG. But, uh, those guys are under Greg Berhalter's, even though he wasn't appointed, Greg Berhalter was still in charge. There is a, there's a dialogue there. So, you know, it, it falls under the Greg Berhalter regime. But anyway, they won back to back. And now they look to do the big three, three in a row, and they need to answer the question on a few, obviously, roster selections and starting 11 uh, selections as well. First and foremost, something that Greg Berhalter, I think, has done a nice job and what most international team managers have to do, and the best ones, Lionel Scaloni, uh, Didier Deschamps, are all doing, is making their team difficult to beat. I've said that before, and I try to get that through to people because some folks go, we got to look beautiful. And if you look at the world's game, some of these top countries don't look attractive, but they get results. And France and Argentina, top of the list, top of the list. I know they had that great final but they are grinders, and that is where they found success. I was into, the Morocco-France game was rem, was remarkable at the World Cup, the semifinals. The French said, "We don't want the ball; you play with it." Morocco said, "We don't want it," and it was like a will of like, "Who? What do we do with this ball?" France got their way, and they got a ticket to the final. So make your team hard to beat, as they did in the World Cup. Now that could be a little more difficult because the U.S. have questions at goalkeeper; they have questions at center back. So regardless of what happens at the top of the field, and I, I, we, we have the good starting wingers, our midfield looks good, uh, even more forced with Johnny Cardoso and Luca Della Torre playing well. So even though Tyler Adams isn't there, it feels good. We have a good stable of strikers, but the question is who will start. But let's start in the back. Matt Turner is our number one. He uh, isn't playing at Nottingham Forest, but there really isn't anyone to push him out of there. So... Maybe we're never going to reach the heights of the 90s and the early 2000s where we had Brad Friedel and Casey Keller and Tim Howard. We used to be the factory for goalkeepers. We have a lot of good young ones out there. We, uh, Gaga Slonina, you know, was, was he playing in Belgium? And will they, will one of them step up? We'd like, but there's no way you displace Matt Turner. I think Greg Berhalter feels confident there. The distribution out of the back is top of the list and probably is what has led to him making mistakes at Nottingham Forest and caused him his starting position. But I don't feel as great about Matt Turner as I did at the World Cup. 
Things have changed. His confidence isn't at a height where he signed with Arsenal and then made this move to Forrest. Center backs. Feeling a little better than I felt a few weeks ago. Tim Ream is back, starting. There's a bit of a, 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 a stable there at Fulham. And would he be the projected number one when everyone is ready, to, a projected starter at center back for Fulham if everyone's ready to go? I don't know. But he's still playing. And with Chris Richards playing more and more and looking a little, looking, I would say considerably more stable as a center back, Richards and Ream would be the starting center back tandem. That's our strongest pair. Uh, based certainly on history in Ream's case and what Richards has been able to do uh, as a day-to-day starter in the Premier League. Other candidates, Cameron Carter-Vickers, who has had his uh, some injury issues at Celtic. He's a real bull. And got to remember, you need that center back that can pass and connect the, the rest of the team. And you need that bull, right? You need that guy who is going to be uncompromising and get on the, uh, on the opposing team's number nine and squeeze him out. So Celtic, uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Hasn't been playing, so I don't, he's not really a candidate for the Nations League, certainly not to start in this game. And that really reaffirms Richards and Ream. The other guy I'd say is Miles Robinson. I know not everyone agrees with me, but he's healthy. He's playing. He got that January camp. He could be the guy to fill in for Ream. I think he is the better passing. It's just a big drop-off from Ream to everyone else. But as a passing center back, I would put him up there. Mark McKenzie's another one. And... You know, you. I think it kind of it, it dries up there. Austin Trusty, but he doesn't play enough center back at Sheffield United, so not all these guys are going to make it. But this is a difficult choice, not only about who starts, but who fills out that group of center backs that will be brought in for this game. Hopefully, there's better options, healthier options moving forward when we're there for the Copa America. So, the next one, the midfields. Weston McKinney's been excellent. Eunice Musa not playing as much, but starting to get a little bit more. He, at least he played a couple games here recently. No Tyler Adams yet. When Tyler Adams comes back, does he play at number six? We shall see. A lot of people want to see Johnny Cardoso. He's been excellent at Real Betis, but we got to be careful to not equate what they do at the club for the country, for their national team, right? We can't say, hey, this guy's playing all the time. Pop him in. That's going to solve that solution. I don't know. Uh, I think he's he's certainly going to make the roster and he's earned a chance to start. When we've seen him with the national team, he was okay. He didn't do anything. Uh, he didn't wasn't as effective as Tyler Adams. Do you bring Eunice Musa there or, or do you invert that midfield is a possibility. By the way, Gio Reyna's in the mix and if he keeps not playing, he gets called in, I'm sure. But to say he just is, earns a spot in the starting level, I, I, I know I've said that in the past. But that was based on him getting some playing time. I hope he gets some at Nottingham Forest, but I'm not really optimistic because it's a short-term loan and Nottingham Forest have the very important fact of staying promoted. And the only guy he would play, Morgan Gibbs-White, even if Morgan Gibbs-White wasn't playing all that well, and he is playing well in the last few weeks, he is the number one investment for Nottingham Forest. He is a guy they hope they could sell at some point for big money. So they're not going to bring a guy that they don't have an investment with in Gio Reyna if it's a 50-50 call. It has to be Morgan Gibbs-White really declining and Gio Reyna training his lights out, which I don't know what's happening at training, but I get the perception that he's not blowing anyone away with his training. 
at Dortmund or so far here at Nottingham Forest. Could be wrong. So it depends on Greg Berhalter, who was, you know, this was, it all started with being vilified because he wouldn't play Gio Reyna. Now, if he plays Gio Reyna, if he starts Gio Reyna, that's a big 180 to say, I don't care if he's not playing, he's my guy. I find that hard to believe that it just changes that much. So midfield's going to be, I think we know the five or six guys that will make it, but it's going to be interesting. Not interesting. It's going to be, it's going to be very difficult for those decisions to be made. The starting wingers we know. The big one is the forwards and then how you make out a 23-man roster. So Balogun, I still think he is your number one at number nine. You play him there. He's starting to get back into it with with Monaco. Yeah, it's been a dry spell for him scoring. So uh, any goal would be uh, a nice <laughs> a nice development. But you know he did not play over the weekend. It, it, it's just that's a real tough one, man. I think he makes it in, but does he? Does he start? I don't want to answer that right now, uh, but he has not played a lot. Ricardo Pepe's not really played a lot. It's been a nice development at PSV, but it's not like he's starting a lot. Or Josh Sargent's the guy, but he's not really been a part of the national team. Do you throw him in there? I saw Stu Holden say you do. I'm not saying that's the wrong decision. I don't know what the right decision is. I still think it's Balogun because you've already invested so much into it if he is healthy and ready to rock. And then Ricardo Pepe gets in as the second, and then you bring Josh Sargent as a hybrid forward winger because he can play that winger spot, and he's just been one of the best players in the English Championship, frankly. I'm getting nervous having this conversation with you guys. But those are the top. Center back, uh, third midfielder, third starting midfielder, and then you uh, your pick at number nine. But we'll get answers. Can't wait to see that roster. I know it's going to be an ugly day on social media because there's going to be a lot of arguments. Because it's uh, you've got to you've got to compensate. Remember, no Sergio Dest, so you've got to find someone who's suspended in the first game. So you got to bring in an extra fullback, I presume. So that's big decisions. Twenty-three players isn't a lot, and you uh, you got to get the most out of that. So this is a very Difficult choice. Greg Berhalter has done well with his rosters. I don't think that's where the criticism has come from. And he needs a spark. And hopefully he gets it. So uh, it's okay to be nervous. But it all starts with the good roster selections, which is the situation is good for the U.S. It's not great because of some of those key competitions that have gone unsolved as of yet. The Soccer OG rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend. Always great to be with you. We'll, we'll revisit everything here and talk about opening week in Major League Soccer. And then we have a lot to come forward to in March and the spring with the Nations League, the Champions League. Oh, it's going to be good. And then the summer will be here before you know it. But hopefully not too quickly because I'm enjoying these winter months. Went out to the San Bernardino Mountains, did some skiing at Big Bear. Conditions were foul. Of course, they were beautiful the day after. The timing is everything. Get out there. Enjoy the winter months. Until I see you again, make sure you have a Placido Domingo.